right, welcome back, everybody. This is Todd Sylvester with the Todd Sylvester Inspires Belief Cast. Uh, once again, I feel very fortunate and blessed. We have an amazing guest on today. His name's Jimmy Rex. Welcome. Dude, thanks for having me, Todd. <laughs> hey, absolutely. Uh, he had me on his amazing podcast as well. I feel very fortunate. You're making a difference in this world. You're a light that shines, dude. I'm telling you, everyone I've talked to that knows you. And what's funny, since, uh, you know, for those of you who don't know, I was on his podcast a lot of people have reached out to me who know you very well and everything that they say, I mean, it's just amazing. And I know you probably know this because just the way you live your life, but it's really cool to rub shoulders with you and to have you actually on here. So I want to thank you for that. Well, no, it's fun to be on this, you know, this end of it. I, I, a year ago tomorrow, I released my first podcast episode on, on my podcast and it's just, it is kind of fun. You, it gets addicting because you see the change that it makes in people's lives. Yeah. And, you know, once that kind of started happening for me, I started getting these messages and seeing the effect on people. That's when I really decided, okay, this is something that I'm probably going to keep doing for a really long time right. because yeah. I just want to affect that change. It, you know, it's, we live in an era where you can literally, anybody can make a platform and you can make a difference on such a wide range. Yeah. And it's something that, you know, so no cool. other time frame in the world, in the history of the world could have you done that. Yeah, absolutely. And then, so, um, the, your podcast is called the Jimmy Rex show. So that's just one of the many things that you're doing. Um, you've been a real estate agent for how many years? 15 years now. 15 years. Yeah, I got in young, so. Very young. How old are you? If you don't I'm mind 37. Me? 37. So, and, and you're very successful uh, real estate agent. As a matter of fact, if I'm understanding this correctly, you're a coach to other realtors, right? Yeah. So is I create, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I have a lot of agents and things, p people that reach out to me and ask for help. And so eventually enough people tell you, you should do something. I, <laughs> I decided to do it. And so what I did is I didn't want to, I don't want to be like a one-on-one -on -one coach. I've had a real estate coach since I started my, okay. my first six months in the business, I sold like five houses. I was struggling. I was right. really not doing very well. And then I, I hired a coach and it was really a cool moment. I uh, really put myself out there. I mean, it was a thousand dollars a month. And wow. at the time I didn't have any money, but I just knew I needed to throw my hat over the fence and really dive into this. And by the end of that year, I'd sold almost 60 houses. Really? And so I've had a coach ever since. And I've been lucky because I had so much success at a young age. I had a lot of the top coaches really gravitate towards me and be okay. able. So I was, I've been able to be coached by three or four of the top coaches in the entire country. Mike Ferry, Tom Ferry, Bill Pipes, Bob Fitzgerald. These are guys really? that in the real estate world are the biggest names and they personally coach me. So I've just been really lucky. So I decided I was like, I need to do something to help people with kind of, I do it very uniquely. I built my business through networking, through client events, through charity events, um, okay. working with these different groups uh, and through social media. And so I wanted to create a program that taught people how I did it. It's right. all automated. So that's what that yeah. is what you're referring to. Yeah. And, I, and it's beautiful. I, you've sold now over 2000 homes, which is really, truly incredible. Yeah. It's fun um, to look back and see. I have your... a lot of friends who've been in real estate. My mom was as well. And so I know how hard that can be <laughs> just seeing it from that perspective. Um, I know, and there's so much here. I want to just kind of list off some of these things. Um, you know, you have a you have a course that you call it the hundred K agent blueprint. Yeah. That's focused on exactly what you were just saying is helping others, you know, through, you know, the real estate process, correct? That's correct. Yeah, yeah. that's the course I was just talking yeah, about. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so uh, you have the Jimmy Rex show and then uh, you also help which which I love, um, is you're an undercover operative for OUR, Operation Underground Railroad. 
explain that just a little bit for our listeners. Yeah. So most people in Utah, at least I don't know where your listener base is exactly, but are at least a little bit familiar with Operation Underground Road at this point. A guy named Tim Ballard used to work for the CIA. And long story short, he wanted to help rescue children that were being sex trafficked all over the world. And working for the government, he was hamstrung on what he could and couldn't do. So he quit and started this organization. And I heard about them about 10 months after they had kind of started and uh i was you know at a networking event and one of the guys that had gone undercover got up and spoke about it and i it was kind of a for me it was one of those moments where you just know life's calling to you and right. you know i went up to the guy afterwards <laughs> and he was kind of tim's first guy for the undercover stuff and i said hey i want to do this and he didn't know me from anybody right. i was just this idiot kid you know and <laughs> he goes this is about three years ago by the way uh-huh. and he goes he goes well we have like three four hundred people waiting to be part of this um you know it's kind of one of those things you can't really do and i said well you got to do it i want to do this right and that's one of those things that i believe is like anything you set your mind to do um a hundred percent people way under shortcut themselves on what they actually can accomplish. And I just said, Hey, there's a way to do this. And he kind of tried to blow me off. And I just, long story short, I mean, without doing the full story, I just made myself irreplaceable with them. And eventually through some training and then some spot, you know, raising some money for them, I was finally able to go on and op. And I've now been on 11 undercover operations with the group. Um, I've helped rescue almost 150 girls and helped put uh, over 45 traffickers uh, behind bars. Wow, that's incredible. That has got to feel amazing knowing that you're going in and you're rescuing these these people who are going through this. Yeah, it's a tricky thing because you, we go down. So I'll give you one example yeah, we did please. that was in Latin America. We don't really talk about where just for you know safety reasons, sure. things like that. But And we went down there, four of us, and we just knew they were trafficking. We didn't know where. So we you know hit the beaches. You go out, you start talking to people. And we're, the thing that made me super valuable to the group, I guess you could say, is I have a social intelligence and ability to, to speak and make friends with people quickly yes, yes, and to understand <laughs> my surroundings. Absolutely. And that was more important than fighting training or skills training like a Navy SEAL or a cop because they kind of come off a little bit that way. Sure. And so Paul Hutchinson, he's the guy that got me involved. Andrew McCubbins, um, these guys are some of the most amazing humans I've ever met. But we go down, so we'll go down to these areas. And uh, yeah, we just start talking. I mean, and so in this particular area, I mean, within 45 minutes, we had found three groups that were trafficking children in uh, in the city. It was, you know, beach town. Right. And that particular op... Um, well, what happens is we have to physically see the girls. So they have to bring them to us so that we can, we usually meet in like a Walmart parking lot or something so that it's very safe environment. But at the same time, we have, we have undercover cameras and stuff and we have to be able to, you know, show that they really are under age and they're getting trafficked. And so we got these guys and it was funny because in that particular op, just to give you an example of kind of the, the range of emotions you go through is we dealt with these three different groups of traffickers. And when the other two heard that we were dealing with this one guy, he said, uh, he said, Hey, we probably can't work with you anymore. He kind of runs things around here and we're in Uh, trouble if we take his business. So we knew we had the right guy. Well, then the next day, um, he told us, he goes, Hey, I want you to meet my boss. He runs all of the entire, it was, you know, this entire area of the country. And, and we're like, Oh man. So we meet this guy and it was just like in the movies. I mean, we are literally in an alleyway, um, blacked out SUVs, um, nowhere to go. I mean, if any inkling that we're, uh, not who we're proposing to be, we're dead. Right. I mean, we could literally see the gun on the guy and, we got back from that op and we had to negotiate. I look back on the video we were recording. It was over 18 minutes and I was the only one that spoke Spanish on that op. Oh, and really? so I okay. was doing the negotiating. You're literally doing negotiating for price per 
child and things like that. And wow. I mean, I was terrified, but in the moment you're just, and you have yeah. to be a little rough with them. Like, you know what? You're trying to rip us off. We're going to go somewhere else. I mean, you're really having this like real conversation and we got Jeez. back and we called Tim, you know, yeah. uh, Ballard and we just like, oh my gosh, that was scary. And he's like, are you guys safe? Like, yeah, we're safe. And I went home and I was like, I told my, my buddy at the time, I was like, I was like, dude, I'm done doing this. Uh, <laughs> it's just, it's really scary. Like we were, we oh, were I really can... close to, sure. to death right there, you know? And, um, but then two weeks later we go back and we do the takedown. And so we've been working with the federalities of this country okay. and, um, and we did the takedown and I, that dude, the evil, very evil human that, um, we were negotiating with, he was at this party we had, they brought 30 girls and, uh, we were able to get them all, you know, over 40 federal police fly into the city. They arrest them all. They arrest us as well. We go to the airport, they go to prison. Um, and when they oh, okay. were arresting him, I'll never forget, I looked over at his face and it was the, one of the most beautiful moments I've ever felt because I knew, you know, we'd been tracking their calls the federal police had, or they knew um, these girls did not want to be there. They did not want to be getting traffic. They were begging not to. He was threatening them if they didn't come that, that you know, they were going to be dead essentially. And so to watch his face and just know that this dude was done, he was no longer going to be able to do that. Um, it was literally about as good of a feeling as I've ever had. And then we're in the wow. other room Jeez. and the cops started tasing him and we could hear it. It was hilarious. And I, then it was, <laughs> then it was just pure joy. And I got yeah. back from that and I told my, my buddies and I was like, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be doing this for a long time. That yeah. was, you know. So yeah, seeing the, the, the result of your labor there and to see that it actually worked out. I had to have been such a good feeling, and, and it's great that there's people out there in a situation like you where you can go do that. Yeah, it's really good. Cool. We've watched it come full circle. There's an organization now, you know, Children Need Families, that's a partner of them, and we help place these kids that have been rescued in with families that are trying to adopt them. We got to go, okay. in fact, yesterday and let one of these families know they're adopting a child from Haiti, which is where Tim Ballard adopted his two kids from oh, who were also trafficked. Gotcha. Um, and we let them know that we had a grant to help them to be able to make this actually happen. And they just broke down crying. Oh, and to watch it come full circle, uh, it's pretty awesome. It's something uh, that I get pretty passionate about. I can tell. Yeah, you're lighting up right now as you're talking about this. And uh yeah, we need more more people like you, Jimmy. Seriously, I love what you're doing. Let's let's step back a little bit. There's so much that we we can talk about here, but I want to let the our listeners know a little more about you. Like, where did you grow up? A little bit about your family. Yeah, I mean, I grew up here in Utah. Um, pretty normal childhood. I grew up in Taylorsville and um, had six siblings. I still have six siblings, I guess. I was the sixth of seven kids. Oh, really? And I had okay. a pretty normal childhood, I say. You know, I mean, we were, I remember I, I say to people, I say I had a happy childhood. Um, there was problems for sure and things, but I had a, you know, a mom that I knew loved me unconditionally. Right. My dad was always there. He was fun. Neither of them was perfect, but both of them, right. um, you know, you, as you get older, you kind of realize like, man, people were just trying to figure stuff out as well. You know, <laughs> right, like totally. they screwed up a lot of stuff, but at the same time, they were yeah. doing the best they could. And and I, like I said, I mean, I never doubted that I was loved. I never doubted that right. I was, um, and you know, I don't know how with seven kids, they seem to make it to everything important. That is and, amazing. You know, I think there's a lot of beauty in, I had one of those American childhoods where we would just all summer just out in the street doing whatever we wanted, right, you know, from, yeah. I mean, we would go collect cans all day and then go buy a pack of baseball cards. We would go, I, you know, I just, I remember even at a young age doing like, I, I'm not proud of this today, but <laughs> I, I would go to, I had like five bucks, right? So I would uh -huh. go to, we had a Toys R Us and a Shopco pretty close to us. So I'd go to the Shopco and find all the items they were selling for much more than they were at Toys R Us. And I'd do the same thing there. 
and I would buy something at Shopco, go to return it to Toys R Us for like $3 more. Then I'd go buy my thing at Toys R Us and, and I would parlay, I'd spend two weeks parlaying $5 into 200 and, you know, buy some wow. Nintendo games or something. But <laughs> so I was just like, I was always kind of like business minded and doing, you know, hustling. But my parents really, I mean, they were both working. My dad drove a, you know, an 18 wheeler. My mom was a okay. school teacher. And so um, they were trying to just put food on the table. You know, we were, we definitely grew up it was kind of like my dad was a real estate, very successful real estate guy. And then the the first of the eighties, you know, right when I was born, essentially everything tanked. Right. And so, I mean, I remember growing up, like not like feeling like a poor kid, but right. you look back and, you know, sometimes your lunch was uh, two pieces of bread with mayonnaise and, and some cheese like that was yeah. what you ate, you know? And so you're like, Oh yeah, I guess we, <laughs> I guess yeah, we were, guess we were struggling. Yeah. I mean, we, yeah. but it was, it was fun. I mean, I was hustling. I, I, you know, and every, I remember carrying my buddy's saxophone home in, in elementary school. Cause he'd give me two bucks for lunch if I did. And <laughs> Serious? Oh yeah. You know, wow. just things like that. And I think it helped create, I think a lot of who we become um, comes from those childhood years. I really sure. believe who we become as adults. I can look back at the good parts of me and the bad parts of me, and a lot of that was developed in those early elementary years. Absolutely. I agree. I think life happens for us, and good and bad, mm-hmm. and it's all for our good eventually. And, uh, yeah, I totally agree with that. So as you're growing up, what would you, what would you love to do? Did you play sports? Did you – what were, what were your hobbies? What did you love to do? Yeah, so I mean, we were a sports family. Um, I had two older brothers play college baseball. I was a baseball kid always growing up. Um, loved baseball, loved football. So we did a lot of that. And I did a lot of, like, just, I loved um, hustling things. So I was always doing, you know, garage sales. and um, Really? Yeah, and like just trying to figure out ways to make a couple <laughs> bucks in here and there. I just always doing little things like that. We but pretty normal childhood. I mean, we played sports. My family was, you know, my dad had two rules. You're going to go to church and, uh, and you're getting, you know, you're going to get good grades. And so, um, we valued that. <laughs> right. Um, did you ever kick back on in those things? Um, you know what? It was, um, the church thing. No, not really. Like if I wasn't going to go, it wasn't worth having. If I would like, like pretend I was sick or something, I wouldn't <laughs> like, I was like, I'm right. not going, you know? Right? Okay. And my dad was, he was, I say like accident, I was accidentally like raised beautifully. I think like he would, like he, there was enough fear there that like, I didn't want to piss him off, but right. I also like just didn't want to let him down, you know? Yeah. And my mom, it was like this perfect little love. And, um, I don't know. I, I just, like I said, I mean, you know, they, you know, they had their issues and, you know, and yeah. later on they got divorced for some of those issues and things like that. It was oh, not okay. a perfect childhood. Um, sure. you know, I do remember sometimes like I remember sitting at the bottom of the stairs, hearing them fight about money. And I think it's one of those things that drove me when I became an adult, like, hey, I'm going to have money. Like, I don't want to go through that. And so I, I just remember sitting at the bottom of the stairs. And I remember we went on a road trip one time. I was 10 years old. It was me, me and my brother and my mom. Uh-huh. And, you know, they tell this story all the time. And um, it was for a baseball team that I was a part of, an all-star team. And we went to Iowa. And I knew we were scrimping for money. And so I would, like, just not eat when we'd go out. And I was always so worried about it. It was probably not as bad as I thought, but it, was, it wasn't good either. And so I just remember having this, like this belief system, you know, right. that like money causes pain, not having money causes pain, Cause, causes pain. And yeah. so I always, you know, knew when I got older, I wanted to have, um, be well off financially. And, and which I, is interesting because a lot of times the opposite will happen. Sure. I'm stuck in this too. I'm not going to have a lot of money. You could have bought into that belief system mm. too. I'm going to go through the same thing, but you went the opposite. 
Which is good, but you're like, no, I'm going to actually make sure I'm not in that position. Yeah, I've always, like, it's one of the reasons why I'm 37 and single and never been married is I, I have this thing in me where I can't be mediocre. I, I read the book Good to Great, Jim Collins, you know, right. when I first, oh, yeah. you know, I'm in my 20s, and um, the opening line is, good is the enemy of great. And I strongly believe that I just, anything we're doing is worth overdoing. Anything we're doing is worth doing yeah. correct. Like, these are my beliefs that I have, and I just, I always wanted to be great, Right. I don't want to have, uh, I don't, and I, the way I joke about it now is I say, I don't think when we were in heaven and, you know, getting ready to come here to earth that God's last words are like, now go be an average real estate agent or now go be an average brother, <laughs> right. go right. be an average son, go yeah. be an average husband. You know, like, I think God was like, all right, dude, I've given you some serious talents here. You yeah. better go put them to work. Where, where did that come from though? I mean, what do you think? I mean, I love that by the way, and I agree with you. Um, but where did that come from did it come from just seeing your parents struggle where you're like you know what i'm gonna be great like truly great in everything that i do is that where it came from or um, i think my parents did a good job of creating correct role models okay. i never when i was a little kid i never wanted to be like the movie actor um i i looked up to um people that were doing great things with their lives i remember okay. even at a young age you know like probably younger than most people i, I remember watching infomercials of tony robbins right and listening to those stories i was probably 10 9 or yeah, 10 you know right. and i just remember being like oh and then i just i <laughs> right. wanted to i saw people getting rewarded in life for being great okay and so i just said you know i'm gonna be i remember when i like when i went to leave on my lds mission my brother dale was I could tell he was a great missionary. He actually got electrocuted, almost died, was in the hospital for a week, but he was so dialed in as a missionary. And I remember just thinking like, I want to be great like my brother Dale. And then it was like, when I played baseball, you know, I was a high school baseball player. I wanted to be, my brother Matt was the two time state MVP. And I remember thinking, I want to oh. be great like my brother Matt. Uh, I okay. wasn't, you know? right. but it was like, that was my <laughs> expectation. I think I maximized, I went from like getting cut to, being, you know, a starter for two years, I sure. felt fine about my career. I maximized what I did. And, and so as I got, you know, into the workforce after that uh -huh. and everything, I just, I, I don't know. I just know that the rewards for the great are so much better. The life to me of somebody that's really trying to be great, everything in your life becomes that much better. And I also knew, I don't know how I, I knew that. this or why, but I knew if I could have huge success at a young age, it like, Everybody wants, and I think I just, because I got a little bit of attention for doing that. I started, sure. a, I did a TV show when I was like 22. Oh, okay. It was called Not on the First Date. And we basically, mm. it was Blind Date in Utah. And <laughs> my, our tagline was taking it. you from uh, Blind Date to, uh, it was called, it was called Not on the First Date. And our tagline was taking you from Blind Date to Eternal Mate. And it was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. And we, uh, and I saw the That's benefits awesome. that came to me by having this early success. Yeah. And then I, I did a meat company um, when I was 22 years old as well. And we sold steak and chicken door to door, but I had 10, 11 guys working for me. We were franchising it. And I saw how wow. people gravitated to me that I had no business being in their worlds. Yeah, And so I knew if I could do this in real estate, the same thing would happen. And so especially people listening to this that are younger, like if you squander your 20s, I feel like you spend the rest of your life catching up. Wow. You just go from job to job trying to figure it out. You never become great. Yeah. But if you can really dial in your 20s, um, and I'm currently, I'm not, I don't, I, I profess, I'm still like a member of the Mormon church, I guess you could say, but I do it my own way. I don't, yeah. I haven't been to church in a really long time. I don't really, I don't really believe the exact way that your mainstream sure. Mormon would, yeah. but I'm so grateful for that heritage and that background because yeah. my 20s, I just stayed out of problems. I was yeah. dialed in. There was a lot of problems came from that that I try sure. to work through now, right? Some sure. beliefs that I had that, you know, we can go into. Yeah. Um, but 
But overall, I can't help but be grateful because I love the life it's created for me now. I never had those huge pitfalls, those, you know, where you just, you have these horrible addictions or you have, you know, I don't know, like just life altering things that happen because of poor decisions. And so because I worked so hard in my 20s, it's really set up a life where I get to choose what I want to do now for the, you know, from here on out, I can essentially do what I want. Yeah. I love that. Thanks for being so open too. Let's get into that a little bit. Where were some of these beliefs that you kind of struggled with? If you're okay talking sure, about yeah, that. And it's Cause reason, I think it's important for our listeners to know that. Well, and yeah, yeah I mean, people looked at me, you know, in my twenties and I mean, I was top real estate agent in the state. I was up for sales person of the year on the Salt Lake Board of Realtors at 26, one of two finalists. I mean, I was killing it in work. Yeah, sure. Um, as a son, as a brother, as an uncle, I was doing everything I could. I really was, you know, I was a virgin till I was 31. I mean, mm-hmm. I really did the thing. I never drank right. alcohol till my 30s. Right. Um, I really was dialed in on these things that I was wanting to do. And what people didn't know is I felt like a failure. Right. And it was the weirdest thing. I look back now and I just want to hug that poor guy because he was doing so well and he like trying so hard. (laughs) But I really felt like a failure because my belief system was, and it was because of the religious background that I had was everybody kept saying like, well, you know, your job's to get married. You need to be married. The commandments to be married. And you're like over here, like, well, this doesn't feel right. I don't feel like I should marry her. I don't feel like I should marry this. Or you just, you like a girl and it doesn't work out. She doesn't like you back. And you're like, wait. And so it causes you all these yeah. This shame that I put on myself that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I say I put on myself, but it was really the culture that I was in is what causes it. And so I dealt with a lot of like feeling like, uh, honestly, like what's wrong with me? Like, why yeah. am I still not accomplishing this one task I'm trying to do? And I'd get in a new relationship and I just wouldn't feel good about it. So I'd yeah. break it off again and I got engaged twice and I didn't feel like I should marry him. But at the same time, you feel like you're failing at something because you've been told this is what you're supposed to do and you're not doing it. Right. And so for me, the hard part was you're like, well, I took it very personal because I'm like, it's not that I don't have, I have money. So it's like, you know, I'm like, I'm, um, I come from a great family. It's not, nobody's afraid of my family. I'm a pretty smart guy. Like, um, I don't have any like weird past things that would keep people. So you take it very personal. Like, um, I must not be very attractive or I must not be very lovable. Right. Or for whatever reason, I suck at being a boyfriend or in a relationship. And so I took it very personal and and you start to, I mean, I, you know, started taking steroids because I'm like, well, I'm going to look better, you know? And then you start to just, I don't know. You, I just, I remember like I had on my wall, I, you know, it said the best form of, uh, revenge is massive success. And so in ways it served me because a lot of my drive to be great was probably to try to feel like I was enough. And I, you know, Tony Robbins talks about this. He says, every human has the two same fears that we're not loved and that we're not enough. Yeah. And I think it's funny because when you, I like podcasting. I like all these things because it helps people realize they're not alone. I think one of the biggest mistakes we make is I felt I dealt with these things feeling like I was the only one. I'm like, what, you know, but as you start to open up with people, you get older and you realize vulnerability is a superpower. You know, when you're authentic, um, I had a couple opportunities to share these, um, these fears of mine, this, you know, this belief that I had that I wasn't Mm -hmm. enough. And every time I did it, people just, just loved the heck out of me. And I started to get rewarded for that because I had people that genuinely loved me and cared for me enough. And I realized, because for me, it was hard because my family kind of all looked up to me. I was kind of like, sadly, the spiritual one in the family. (laughs) Um, Now it's like, um, you know, the black sheep again, but no. And, um, and then like my friend group all looked up to me. I had this young success. Right. And so I, I didn't really have this avenue to not be okay. Right. Like I wasn't able to go to anybody. That's why I hired a life coach um, in 2010, uh, 11. I hired a life coach 
And um, eventually I found my coach that helped me to process all this and realize that I actually was enough, that I actually was okay, that I actually had honored my heart all these years. And I, it's funny because my issues that I had around dating where I felt like I was the issue, the problem was in 60% of relationships are going to be based upon the fact of whether or not you guys are just compatible as people, whether you have a passionate relationship or not. That's, you know, again, Tony Robbins talks about all the time. And when I actually understood my need structure, I took a few tests and things to figure yourself out. And one of my, my strongest need was for variety. Hmm. And so I've been to over 50 countries. I've done a million different things. Yeah, I have a million a different friends. You? Like yeah. I, I, I need variety. And so in dating, I kept dating these women and these girls that I thought would fit into my life. I was already building. Okay. And what happened was I'd get bored really quick, two, three months. Okay. I had no more variety. So they were giving me certainty, which I had a very low need of. <laughs> right. They were giving me love, but I actually had a lot of love in my life. I have a very, I'm, a, I'm very lucky. I feel like I'm a very privileged person to have the family that sure. I do. Sure. You know, 26 nieces and nephews, six siblings. Yeah. And by the way, this is one of my strongest beliefs is like, you know, you, the, gr- the grass is greener where you um, water it. Where you water it. Yeah. I put so much effort into my relationships and that's why I have those relationships in my life. Yeah. But I literally will make a minimum to 30 to 40 contacts a day to people just to touch bases. And I chose a career where it's kind of my job to do that. Sure, sure. But at the same time, I go out of my way to make sure I'm doing those things. But so long story short, um, I was able to process through it and realize that I did have this need for variety. So for me, I have to date women that have a lot of different things going on. They have their own talents and abilities and things. And we live in a society here in Utah, especially where that's kind of frowned upon a little bit more than anywhere else in the world where women aren't really taught that that's what they should be doing. Right. So I had this conflict where I was always butting up against, you know, I, I just, I didn't feel like I connected very well to the the women I was told I was supposed to be dating. Right, I got you. And so I really yeah. got some clarity on what I was looking for. And then I, you know, as more and more I started to look into what I truly believed and what I truly felt in my heart, I said, I need to start honoring this in all aspects of my life. And that's where I kind of said, okay, well, what's going to be the new purpose of my life? What is right. going to be, you know, what I lived my whole life for? And I really went through a long process to come up with that. And I know for me, um, I eventually went to a date with Destiny with Tony Robbins. Um, mm-hmm. If you've ever seen the movie on Netflix, I'm Not Your Guru, that's yes. him at that event. Right. And you basically spend six days coming up with what your life's going to be all about. Yeah. Um, and I came up with my purpose about the fifth or sixth day, and it lit me up. And um, it's essentially is the purpose of my life is to share my tremendous love with all of God's children, bringing happiness to others through my playful soul and by being an example of living an extraordinary life. <laughs> So that is, Did you that catch is my that, mantra. listeners? That is powerful. Say that again, dude. The purpose of my life is to share my tremendous love with all of God's children, bringing happiness to others through my playful soul and by being an example of living an extraordinary life. Wow. And I can feel your, that's authentic, actually. And again, I know I haven't known you for a long time, but the times I rub shoulders with you, I would, I, I would say, yep, I get that from you. Yeah. And, and everyone I've talked to who knows you feels that same way. You again. You are this. You're this energy source, dude. That's just on fire. <laughs> well, I just. I believe. I love it. You know, I've had. I've had my own shame. I've had my own well, trauma. Sure. It's not. Yeah. It's not a perfect life. But what I believe is, is I just hate victims. Uh, here's the problem with being Thank a victim. You. Thank you. Well, the problem with being a victim is you're probably right. You're probably justified. But it doesn't serve you. Yeah. That's it. Like, you're right. Everybody can be a victim. Like, my dad beat the shit out of me once when I was a kid. It's okay. Like, I don't, you hold that against him. If I'm going to, the 
bad parts of me because of the way of that, I got to give credit for all the 95% of the good stuff. You know, right. if, you know, I wasn't, again, I had like moments when I was a kid where I liked a girl and I made a move and it didn't work out. <laughs> and, you know, there's little traumas behind that. Sure, and sure. That stuff has probably messed me up where I was dating very strongly based on what other people would think of that person I was dating for a long time. I'm yeah. just getting out of all that. And yeah, those are issues that have caused me to not be the best for myself. But guess what? All those things from, you know, my religion or my childhood or all these things, I have to give them credit for all the good stuff too then. Sure. Because I absolutely have an inward desire to just do good and help people. And I think people are good. I think people in general want to be good and they want to um, live inspired lives. And so I just believe that you have to give all that credit to the good anytime you take the bad. So anytime there's victim mentality of anything, you just have to kill it because it just doesn't serve you. You yeah. absolutely could blame the government or blame your parents or blame whatever's happened to you, but just know that it doesn't serve you. Yeah. It's not and so do you, you want, do you want to feel justified with the life you now live because of that? Or do you want to have a great life? Do you want to have an extraordinary life? Yeah. And I believe that anybody can overcome those things and build an extraordinary life. So that's yeah. where I'm, you know, my purpose in life is, is to help people know that you absolutely can live an extraordinary life. I think too many people put off what they're doing in this life for some reward afterwards, or they just, yeah. they feel like it's too late or they just, they don't have yeah. the skill or whatever they did. Well, guess what? Everybody that became anything started at nothing yeah. and everything you see in the world that's been created started as an idea. Oh dude, I love that. You know, the, it reminds me of a quote, I'm going to butcher it, but it's by James Allen, one of my heroes. And he says, if you're one of those that's looking for a happier world beyond the grave, here is a message of gladness for you. Happiness in heaven is now. Mm. That's great. <laughs> I mean, and it goes on, Yeah. but it's exactly what you're just saying. It's like, it's, it's, it's in this moment now. I can make a great, I don't have to wait till I die and then experience joy and happiness. It's it, now. Yes, it's right yeah. now. And one of the things that I th I think like, because I remember, I felt like I was happy in my sure. 20s. I, I don't remember being, I wasn't miserable. I was right. living a good life. I felt good. Mm -hmm. But I look at it now and I'm like, I always knew there was things I needed to better. Right. And some of those I put off. Others I didn't. But, and I think that's where, you know, I think the most important thing that somebody can be is self-aware. Yeah. I think that's why people need to reach out to coaches and people sure. like you, um, or, you know, because I've had a coach since 2010, a life coach, yeah. you know, uh, it's amazing. Like I would rather get it right than try to be right. I don't care mm -hmm. if I'm right. Like if I'm, yeah. you can be right and lose, right? <laughs> like you can, yeah. you can have all the answers and nobody likes you. You've lost, like it doesn't sure. matter. And so for me, it's get it right. And so yeah. for me, the most important thing you can do is be self-aware. All right, here's where I'm falling short. And here's what I'm going to now do to get it right. And sometimes you need that outside perspective right. to help you see where you're falling short, those blind spots in your life. Wow, powerful. This is why I'm having you on, dude, because <laughs> I'm bringing people on who have these powerful belief systems about themselves and the world. And boy, man, I'm just feeling this energy. Listeners, this is great, isn't it? This is so good. Um, so you you move on. You 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 know you um, you graduate. Uh, did you go to college? Yeah, so I went to I went to junior college for well, it was UVU. UVU um, at okay. the time it was UVCC or whatever, or you know? whatever. Yeah. So I got my associate's degree, okay. and then I, I it's funny I was gonna go to BYU, but I honestly this is how stupid I was. Um, 
I didn't know you have to like apply to get to a real college at UVSC at the time. You just show up, just show up, you're in to class. <laughs> so I literally show up at BYU the next semester and I'm like, yeah, I want to sign up for my classes. And they're like, okay, cool. Like you have your acceptance and whatever. And I'm like, yeah, that's what I'm doing today. And they're like, <laughs> no, that deadline was October. And I'm like, oh, so I had like six months with nothing to do. And that's when I, um, I'll get, I'll try real estate. And, uh, wow. and that's how I started. So I, I didn't go back to school for a couple of years. And then to be honest, I broke off an engagement and okay. I wanted to m meet girls again. That was my sure. motivation for going back to school. So I went back and finished at UVU, um, got my bachelor's and then a couple of years went by and I kind of was feeling like I needed a change. And so, um, I wanted to keep my real estate going. I wanted it to benefit my real estate, but I also like wanted to get out of the state for a little bit. And I heard about a master's program in real estate at Arizona state. And so I went down there for a year. Um, I was flying back and forth and working. Mm -hmm. I actually had my best year ever in real estate up here when I was living in Arizona, which, you know, was both a compliment to my team and a, a check on my own ego, but it was, uh, so anyway, so I ended up getting a master's degree from okay. Arizona state. Gotcha. Yeah. Right on. Very cool. And again, that, that six months off, which, which led to you doing real estate mm -hmm. and look where that led. Right. Again, life happens for you, man. It's so cool how that just all kind of plays out. Um, there's so much to talk about here, but I want to go back a little bit to, you know, what is it? I mean, you're a very energetic guy. You're doing a lot of things during, during your time. Um, what, what do you, what does a day look like for Jimmy? Like, what do you do? Like, what do you do? When, wh what time do you wake up? What do you do in the morning? What can you kind of go yeah, through yeah. that so for us? One of the things I try to help people is um, you don't want to put so much like rules in place mm -hmm. necessarily, but more um, you want to have more purpose and why. And so I believe if your why is big enough, you don't need to be told what to do on a day-to-day -day basis. So for right. example, if you want to get in great shape, you've got to know why that really is that you want to do that. Yeah. It's got to be more than I just want to look good or else that's going to die off, right? Sure. You're Last going to eat minute. the donut or yeah. whatever else. Um, if you want to be wealthy, you need to really understand why. Like, what does that mean to you? What would that be like? What would your life be like if you did? And, um, and then, you know, the money comes to you. That's the easy part. It's getting that why and really figuring out what is the purpose behind it. So with a day-to-day -day routine, to be honest with you, I mean, most days I'm up at seven, right around seven, but I'm not like, it's not a religious thing for me. I don't have to be up at seven. Yeah. Um, I just, I like, you do need to have something that you're doing in the morning. So I like to get up and get going. And then, um, I have my affirmations on my wall. Mm -hmm. Um, I have my values that I'm moving towards my values. I'm moving against. Um, I have a rower machine that I'll usually do for a couple of minutes and then, sure. um, essentially start my day, um, go into work. I think that no matter what, you know, if you're in a sales career, you've got to have that prospecting time, that lead generation right, time. And yeah. so when I was like, when I was building my business, everybody jokes, my roommates at the time, um, I used to laminate my scripts of what I was going to say in real estate. I'd put them in my shower and then I would chant them all morning and my buddies oh, would just awesome. die laughing. You know, <laughs> I, I used to prospect every day. I mean, I, for five years basically didn't miss, I would prospect from eight to noon. Now my day is a little different, do a lot of training, do a lot of coaching. Um, okay. I do my lead generation. I do my follow up. but, um, basically from eight to five, eight to six, I'm usually, if I'm in town, I'm working. Okay. Um, I do. And, and then I believe that every night you should have a purpose behind. I think a lot of people would, they don't understand how much time they lose that should be productive from right. five to nine, for five sure. to 10, five yeah. to 11. Right. So, right. um, so for example, um, tonight, um, I rented out a movie theater for 250 of my clients. <laughs> so we're going to see the new Creed Rocky movie, right? Oh, right on. Dude. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, last night I was on a date night before that I was doing a networking group thing. Um, night before that we had a friends giving, you know, with 20 friends. I'm always trying to go do network and try to do something 
productive. Yeah. Um, well, I hear you throw insane parties. I do throw a let's, good party. You know what? It kind of goes. talk about that. I think it goes back to my childhood again. Like some of my favorite moments where my parents were good at parties. Um, but then when I got into high school, I didn't have any money. I couldn't throw a party. And I remember, you know, my buddies that threw the big parties. And I remember just being like, okay, one day I want to throw the best parties. And actually, this one's kind of funny. I, again, I don't know. I don't know why I trace so many things back to my youth. I don't know if everybody does this, but I just like that's what motivates me. It's like, I'm almost trying to like still prove that I'm enough, right. which isn't the healthy way to do it. But at the same time, um, a lot of what I wanted as an adult came from those insecurities as a kid. So I'll give you one example. I had, I lived in a pretty wealthy neighborhood when I was 10, 11, or 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. And they would always come back, the other kids that I was buddies with from Lake Powell. Right. And I hadn't been since I was a little kid. And so I'd never really been to Lake Powell. And I just remember thinking, they'd talk about their little stories and everything. I remember thinking like, one day I'm going to have my own houseboat and I'm going to throw the best damn Lake Powell trip anybody's ever seen. <laughs> and uh, I've, you know, I, I, when I had my best month ever in 2012, uh -huh. I bought my own houseboat, um, wow. shares on it, which I tried sure. sinking this last summer, by the yeah, way. Yeah, you, did you sink it? <laughs> we saved it. I'm still not sure if I almost sunk it, if I <laughs> saved it from sinking, but it's fine. How's oh, that? Okay. A little insurance I was gonna deductible ask you about later that. and yeah. she's back on the water. But okay, no, and I've thrown now, I've thrown probably 40 giant Lake Powell trips. Anywhere really? from, you know, 20 friends, couples, my family, five or six times we've done it, um, to a couple hundred friends, you know, wow, with multiple, cool. multiple houseboats. And we, yeah, so, you know, and we'll do big trips. I just got back from Panama. We did 40 friends, went to Panama. Um, I just got Dang. back from uh, Bali with a group of 15 friends. Uh, a group of us going to Egypt in January and, you know, a group of us looking to go to the Caribbean during Christmas and New Year's. I just love the sure. experience you have with people when you go and travel is you just have so much time where you're building those memories together. Sure. And a, a wise man was a guy named Andy Murch. He's the top shark photographer in the world. But this dude literally goes country to country each week doing these expeditions for tourists. And they go one week, they're hiking with gorillas in the mountains. The next week, they're swimming really? with tiger sharks in the Bahamas. That's what I did with him, right? Really? Yeah. And so you have these moments. And he said, at the end of your life, you're going to look back and the great moments are all you're really going to remember. So the more amazing moments you can create, the longer and more fulfilled your life's going to be and feel. And I just believe that. Like I yeah. look back and it's, you know, anytime... I have a chance to create a moment with somebody. I'm going to go do something fantastic. Like if I'm not very good at saying no to things I want to do, if I know it'll create. So I had, you know, some friends of mine invited me to go to the Ryder Cup in Paris a, few, a month and a half ago. And I had to go do that. I yeah. wanted to create that moment. That moment, A yeah. buddy of ours was playing in it. And I just said, you know what, I'm going to go do this. And we went and we did it. And it was just such a great memory, right? And so but you can do those in your everyday life. They don't have to be ginormous things. But people, I think... People get lazy. People blame stuff on their kids. They're like, I don't have time. I got my kids. I don't have time. I have my job. Right. But it's false. Like you do have time. You just have to make those things you a just priority. Have to plan it and prioritize. Yes. And so think about like it, most people, sadly, I think life just kind of comes to them. Whatever, whoever lives by them happens to become their friends. Whatever they, um, whatever person invites them to do something, that's what they go do. And yeah. I believe that you build your life by design or it's going to just fill in the blanks. So for me, make strong desires of what I want to do. And I put it out there. And Damn, so I, I, I decide here's what I'm going to do next. Like with the podcast, it was an idea in my head. Now we're 106 episodes deep and I've had NBA players, NFL players, Mitt Romney, right. top business guys, and we're all these top people. And it all just kind of came from me saying, no, I'm going to go do this thing. Make it happen. Yeah. Same as your, yeah. your podcast right now. Yeah. And so anything that I've ever had, like these friendships, I have people are always like, you know, I really am lucky. I have a great group of friends that sure. inspire me. They're doing great things. 
And it's because I legitimately will hear about somebody or I'll see somebody, what they're doing. And I say, uh -huh. okay, I want to be friends with that person. <laughs> and then I'll just go about I'd finding a way it. to become friends with them. <laughs> like I don't take friends of who comes in my life. I'm very right. strategic about making sure I'm surrounding myself with people that inspire me. Right. I wouldn't let somebody walk in my house, open the door and toss a bunch of garbage. And so I don't let people do that in my mind either. If people are negative, I cut them out. If people aren't, you know, doing good things with their lives, I cut them out. I once kicked a roommate out of my house because he was playing World of Warcraft all day. And he's like, what does it affect you? I says, I don't know. You're just not making my life better. And frankly, right. somebody needs to let you know this isn't okay. And wow. so, like, I just believe, you know, another belief I have is every time you say yes to something, you say no to something else. So if you say yes to spend your time with people that aren't inspiring you or making you better in your life you're doing it at the expense of you could have been doing that. Wow. If you let, you know, sure. if somebody comes to you and says, hey, can you help me with this project? If I'm not lit up about that project, I'm going to say no. Because the problem is we feel like we need to say yes. Or like if a girl gets asked out on a date by a guy she has no interest in, say no. Like do him the favor. Do yourself the favor. Don't waste your time. Yeah, you're actually time. doing them a solid by 100%. saying no. I love yeah. it when girls are like, eh, no, sorry, <laughs> whatever reason. I mean, it doesn't happen that often anymore, thankfully. But, you know, back in the day, I, mean, I was on. like, look, look at you, dude. Whatever, whatever. No, no, but I'm this. just, you know, like, why waste somebody's yeah. time? And I appreciate that. And so, like, for me, if you're saying yes, just because you feel like you have to, like, people, I mean, I could go to a free lunch every single day with a loan officer or a title rep right. or whatever, home warranty guy. Yeah. And I just say, no, 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 no. And, you know, and because I know if I say yes to them, I'm saying no to lunch with my close friends. I'm saying exactly. no to this guy that I've been wanting to meet with yeah. or to doing another podcast that'll help and inspire people. Sure. So you got to be strategic there, I think. Um, I just believe that we create the life we want. So if you want to have better friends, well, A, say no to the friends you have and go get better friends. If it's your family, well, you might have to have some tough conversations for a little while or just yeah. start doing other things. You got to, I believe one of my favorite quotes and sorry, I feel like I'm rambling a little no, bit. No, you're good. This is, Hey, I can sit here all day. One dude. of my all time <laughs> favorite quotes is, uh, have you ever loved somebody so much you would do anything for them? We'll make that someone yourself and do whatever the hell you want. And I just believe if Love you take that. care of yourself, you can take care of so many other people. I know in my own life, you know, I was, I, I volunteered to go to this group, uh, three and a half years ago, this Christian group was going to Haiti to, um, to volunteer at an orphanage and we were staying in this horrible spot i mean it was no ac no internet so if like for work people no phone service um you had the food was awful the bed was like um, a board you had a mosquito net over you right. i mean it was really miserable sure. conditions to be yeah. honest and we were there for 10 days now you're going to the orphanage every day and you're getting peed on spit on thrown up on um, crapped on, uh, you name it. I mean, it's not a good situation, but it's so, you're so glad to be there because the kids are so happy. You li literally yeah. spend 10 hours in a row just holding five to six kids at a time and letting them know that, you know, somebody yeah. loves them. Well, we'd get back to the hotel and there's no resting and there's no, you know, and we're all getting grumpy. We're fighting. And so at the end of it, this lady came to me that was in charge and she said, Hey, I, I really value your opinion here. I know you, you know, you do a lot of business and travel and stuff. And she said, what, you know, give me some suggestions. I said, well, number one, there's a Marriott downstairs. I actually snuck away for one night. It was the the night that the college football playoffs were on. And there's okay. one building in, in Haiti. It's this nice Marriott in Port-au-Prince. Uh -huh. And I just went, I stayed there for one night, had AC, had my wife, I got all caught up <laughs> on work, had room service three times, went to the gym and the spa. I paid $90. We were paying $55 per person per night at this place that was awful. And I said, you can't stay here. People that are successful will not come back. They won't come help you. The people that you need to really infect change here are yeah. never going to come do this. And she said, yeah. oh, I don't feel right about staying at a Marriott that's a five-star Marriott when these kids are struggling all day long. And I said, 
you are not doing anybody any favors by showing up with this bad energy. Exactly. They need you rested. They wow. need you excited to be here. They exactly. need you well, you know, rested and eaten and all those things. And I found out that all their trips after that, they actually they switched, switched it up it. and went yeah. to Marriott. It makes a lot of sense. You yeah. know, but if you're not taking care of yourself first, you don't show up with the right energy to affect other people. So this is the biggest mistake people make. You said, you know, how did I become whatever I'm doing now is, it's, and it's constant. It's, it's consistency is the number one thing you have to have. People get so caught up in like not seeing change right away, but the consistency for good or bad, whatever you do consistent is going to affect you or who you are as a person. Right. So I, I read 50 to hundred books a year. I'm always putting good stuff in my mind. Now I listen to, you know, at least an hour a day of podcasts, but I'm not listening sure. to the serial killer podcast. I'm listening to stuff exactly. like your podcast. Or right. People should listen to my podcast to get For inspired sure, yeah. by these things. Right. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I, you know, I, I hit the gym at least four or five times a week. Um, I, I'm very conscious of what I'm eating and what I'm not. Just these different things that I look at life as a funnel and people want to look at the bottom of the funnel, which is the result, what comes out. Right. And what matters, what you can affect is what goes in. What goes in but the funnel. But it takes time to get through the funnel. It does. So people yeah. get impatient and they want it, you know. And so long story short, I guess, is really focus on what goes in the funnel. What are you putting in your mind every day? What are you, what are you spending your energy towards? And right. eventually, if you put enough good into something, good has to come out. Yeah. Yeah. Energy. You put enough good energy into something, good energy is going to come out. But the opposite is true as well. Uh, yeah, that's the other thing is the opposite is, is true as well. Well, man, man there, I could sit here all day, Jimmy. <laughs> Seriously, a bundle of energy. Again, that light that I was talking about. Um, now, we, we talked a little bit about if, you know, I wanted you to give a challenge to our listeners. Now, you've given several already things to do, things you things that you do to make your life great and some suggestions there. What what suggestion or what advice could you give someone out there that might be struggling, whether it's an addiction, whether it's just living an average life and they want to be great, mm -hmm. or you know they're just having a tough time in life? What what advice or what challenge could you give them? So here's the number one thing I would say, and I have a lot of people, like I said, that reach out to me and they just they feel like they're stuck or stagnant in their life a little bit, and I ask them the same question. They almost always can never answer the question. The question is this, and this is the question I want to propose: is beautiful. If everything went right in your life for the next three years, everything that you did went how you wanted it to, what would your perfect life look like? Mm. And most people can't identify what that even is. So how are you going to build towards that if you don't even know what you're trying to build? Jeez. So the challenge that I'm going to have is for you to really sit down, whether it's a year, three years, five years, think about what does my perfect life look like? I did this in 2010 and I'll be honest, like I'm living that life right now. Like I really am. I've built this. So Tony cool. Robbins always says, people come to him all the time and be like, how do I become a Tony Robbins? You know, and he's like, yeah. what you don't get is I built this mother effort. You know? yeah. he's like, this didn't just happen. Yeah. And so you, but most people, if you don't know what that looks like, like really think, all right, my life goes perfect for five years. What does my life look like? Or even a year, if my life, if the next year of my life goes exactly perfect, where am I at in a year? Who am I hanging out with? Wow. Who am I with? Who am I, where am I at? What's work look like? What's school look like? All these different things. And then once you know what that is, now you have um, what you want. Now you got to put some energy behind it. So you come up with your, your reason. What's your why? Right. So like if you say, okay, in a year from now, I'm in this great relationship or whatever, and then you identify what that looks like to you. Okay, well, what would that mean? Why? What's your why behind that? What would your life, what would it mean to your life if you were in that great relationship or if you were in shape or whatever it might be, right? right. And then all you have to do 
it's not hard. Like so many other people have been successful at whatever it is you want to do. Yeah. So go model whatever they're doing. Just model them. Yeah. Just model them. So that's your massive action plan. Yeah. And that's what, you know, Tony Robbins is 101. That's what he teaches is, is have what you want, the reason behind it, the why, and then a massive action plan. And so I just challenge people to actually put the effort. Most people spend more time planning their wedding than they plan their life. For Most sure. people spend more time planning a vacation than they'll do sp- spend planning their year. Yeah. So spend the time put that effort in, do those things. Beautiful. Wow. I love that advice. Um, and that's a great, uh, even for myself, I'm sitting there thinking, man, I need to be more proactive in that area too. Cause I try to do what you're doing, you know, and I'm trying to be great at what I do and everything that I do. And I'm, I'm not perfect, but I try to do that. And that's what I want my listeners. That's why I kind of started the podcast in the beginning is I, I wanted to inspire people to live a better life, mm-hmm. change these limiting belief systems to a powerful belief system. That's what you did. I mean, you literally have flipped your belief system to a point because belief dictates behavior and I see what you're doing. And you and when you say I'm actually living that life, I, I know you are. I, I see it. I've studied you. I've I've listened to several of your podcasts. You don't know this, but I've listened to several. And uh, and just to, having you sit here and your energy, it's amazing. Um, uh, any other parting thoughts that you would want to give us? Anything that, that yeah, you're important? never. Things are never as bad as you think or as good as you think. Yeah. Like really like no matter – you might be listening to me like, well, okay, well, my life just sucks or whatever else. Like it doesn't. Like kind of take away the the actual expectation. I think mm-hmm. we put these expectations on what our life needs to be or needs to look like. Try to – I always tell people, kill the expectation and there's no self-inflicted pain. So – I had this expectation in my 20s of what my life needed to be. For me to be happy, for me to be complete, I had to have this marriage partner, right? I need like to be these married. Things. Exactly. Yeah. And so when you can kill the expectations, I just say this. I said, the beauty of life is found in the mess. It really is. Like, I have things happen to me all the time, and I'm like, this is so stupid. Like, this is, so, <laughs> this is like a total, like mess but there's beauty in it and i find that beauty i really can and you know i when i was in bali i I rolled my scooter up on my ankle and my buddy doug just looked at us oh you just broke your ankle i was like i know i i was sure it was broke (laughs) it was protruding out the back of it i mean it was awful and i just and i was totally okay with it i was like you know what somehow this is going to make a better story there's gonna be a better part of my day whatever you know, I have huge real estate deals sometimes will fall apart. And, you're, you know, I'm talking thirty, forty, fifty thousand $50,000 commission checks. And it's, I don't mind. It doesn't get to me because I, the beauty of everything is just, I don't have to worry about the day to day. The beauty of everything is found in the mess. And when you can get there, there's very few things that cause you true pain. Right. And That's if amazing. you feel like whatever you want more of, like you say all the time, give it away, right? Give so if away. you feel like your life's like in this spot where you just like, I'm, I'm really in a bad spot, you're probably not, but really get clarity on what you want and then understand that you're completely okay like it changes all the time your life is gonna but don't there have it designed but there's no expectation on what you need to be you don't have to be anything just let it come let it be go out and create and you're gonna have a life worth living you're gonna have a life that you can look back on and be like that was an exceptional life dang well i'm sure a lot of listeners who are are gonna hear this um they're gonna go man i want to be just like jimmy i want to have that same mentality that same mindset and, you know, kind of like, well, you've paid a price to get here. Mm. And that's what I love. And, and here's the other thing I think people get hung up on. They want it done in six months. I want to be like Jimmy in six months. No, he's been doing this for years. And he's cultivated over and over. And you, like you said, that consistency. 
It, it wasn't just like, oh, I'll try this and it didn't work. You just stuck with it and stayed with it. And so that's where you are now. Yeah. People way overestimate what they can do in a year and way underestimate what they can do in 10. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, I'm 37. Like I, I yeah. better have done some things in my life. Sure. You know? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But at the same time, <laughs> so if you're like, listen, you're like, oh, I'm behind. Well, it's okay. Like whatever. But understand that it's going to take some time. Yeah. Like it's a little by little, but life has a funny way when you put it out there, what you want to happen. I mean, I, I have a list of 10 huge goals, like ginormous right. goals and I'm working towards them. It gives me sure. direction and it happens. Yeah. And I have a list of people I want to be friends with. One of I'll give you an example. The list is two years old now and two of the people on the list have become friends of mine and they're like high, like Tony Robbins is one of them, right? Yeah. Like he goes undercover with our group. I've been able to meet him a dozen times now. And it's like, I yeah. know that guy. You and know him now. You, yeah. I didn't know how that was going to happen. I didn't even, he wasn't sure. even a part of OUR. But you time, put it out right? there. But you put it out there. And so like, yeah. I'm not beating myself up over the three that I'm still working on um, yeah. or the all these 10 goals that haven't yet come to fruition. Was I on that list? I was just curious because uh, you could mock I that didn't off. Know, I, you know what? It's, it's I got to make a new list. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, but that's, yeah. So I don't know. I just think like yeah. really have huge goals, but give yourself time to get there. And sure. by the way, the life to success is not a straight line. It's all over the place. Yeah. But give yourself credit. Get your ass back up. Don't let a bad yes. day become a bad week. Don't let a bad week become a bad month. And don't let a bad month become a bad year. Love it, man. Well, hey, if, if my listeners want to reach out to you and get to know you better, uh, learn more about you, how would they do that? Yeah, I'm super easy to find. So if you just Google Jimmy Rex, I come up a million different ways. The best way to reach out to me is probably, honestly, on Instagram, Mr. Jimmy Rex. Just send me a direct message. That's where a lot of my listeners um, contact me. Contact you, yeah. um, I always respond to those. It's just a really easy way for me to see it and get right. back to you. Um, but Mr. Jimmy Rex on Instagram, or you can go check out my podcast, the Jimmy Rex show. Um, yes, please. And I'll give you my out. email too. It's Jimmy Rex at KW.com. Uh, and my number one thing I do all day still is sell real estate. So if anybody ever knows anyone looking to there buy or sell a house, I'll give a shameless plug. Cause that's what I do. Hey, and I'll tell you, and you I'll want. say this, I can be confident because I know that I can do it better than anybody else that you would hire. And I, you know what? I believe you. And there you go. Listeners. Well, I want to thank you, Jimmy. Um, it truly is an honor to have you on my podcast, Beliefcast. Um, truly is. And I, I and I know how busy you are. I know you get hit up all the time. And I really want you to know how much I appreciate you. Take the time out of your busy schedule and spend time sharing with my listeners your amazing story, your amazing life, and your energy. So I hope you know how much I appreciate that. Well, I love what I, you're doing, man. I, You know, when I interviewed you on my podcast and uh, to be able to see you've – you you had a why big enough mm -hmm. and an idea of what you wanted your life to look like and you spent 30 years on a massive action plan creating that yes. very thing and the people that you've been able to touch several that i know um you've changed their lives so of course i'm more than happy to support any way you can yeah. i appreciate all that you're doing yeah hopefully one of these days i can be invited to one of your insane parties absolutely <laughs> i'll get you uh, we're doing the black tie gala if this is out before then december 1st at sky okay. this is um to raise money for operation underground railroad and for oh, cool. the children um need families charities uh last year we helped raise over one hundred fifty thousand dollars. amazing um, so yeah it's at december 1st at uh, sky downtown salt lake city so beautiful there you're you welcome to come okay very cool. Thank you so much. And again, thank you so much. And listeners, I want to thank you for all your support. You guys have been so amazing. Um, we're now trending on iTunes. I never thought saw that coming, but I put the work in, just like what Jimmy said, man. I'm putting it in, man, and we're making a difference. So thank you for your support. Write a review. Send this to anyone and everyone. If you have a kid who is struggling, who is lazy, who's 
doesn't have a purpose in their life, have them listen to Jimmy's podcast here because he just gave the formula to break out of it. So thank you so much, listeners. I love you, Jimmy. Love you. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much, Todd.